Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a show to help you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And today we have a very special guest with us who we've been meaning to have for a long time. And I know everyone, I'm sorry it's taken so long, but he's here. He's finally here. And I'm so excited to have Justin Koo with us today. Welcome, Justin. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This has been a while in the making. Um, there's been a whole lot of things that have gone on behind the scenes. We actually did record a whole episode at one point, but you know what? You guys deserve the best. So here we are recording it again to make sure <laughs> that you guys get the highest quality episode ever. So, it makes, us sound, like, professionals it like makes us sound like the first episode was like a complete failure and we just had to scrap oh, it or something no. like that. <laughs> and, and, and transparency that was entirely my fault i have been going through this like rebranding launching of a brand new show and i contacted you guys a couple months ago because i thought i was ready to go and as it turns out i wasn't and i'm glad i sat on the idea a little bit longer there was some important work that had to be done and uh now we are live so thank you guys for your patience and doing a <laughs> kind of take two of the interview i appreciate that <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, we, we I was just excited to get to chat to you even further. I mean, we had a whole chat. Now we get to have on a whole another chat. And for me, that's just all good things, right? So, win, 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 win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. So we are going to do a quick bio intro for Justin for those of us who don't know it. But before we, uh, I guess, get into anything too deep, um, we have to address the most important part of the show, and that is Josh. That is, of course, the question of the week. And we just love this part of the show. It's our favorite. So obviously later we're going to talk about uh, rebrand, what Justin's doing now. I'm sure you guys are familiar with what he has done in the past. But right now we have to talk about a serious, serious topic. Okay. What movie have you rewatched the most and why? Oh. <laughs> the movie that I have watched and rewatched the most is uh, Disney's Pixar's uh, The Incredibles. Oh, uh, that's a good so one. good. The first one, not the second one. The second one was just as good. I was so excited when when number two came out, and it did not let me down in the least bit. But uh, <laughs> this takes me back all the way down to high school. I think it was in between my sophomore and junior year. I had taken like an extra English class during uh, summer school. And so we'd go into school for a couple hours every single day over, over the course of the summer. And during the breaks that would take place in between kind of, you know, you had a period and then kind of a little bit of time, we would watch uh, The Incredibles and we would watch it every single day of summer school and it never got old. <laughs> we would watch it day in and day out. And it was just, it was so much fun. So for me, The Incredibles, summer school, maybe 2005 or so is when i when i remember that that's amazing mm. yeah that's amazing amazing movie definitely part of my childhood as well i would have to say that the incredibles is pretty close there but for me the most watched movie again is probably a, a children's movie it was probably ice age do you guys remember that movie Ooh, oh ice yeah. age was really good yes. yeah the original ice age not like the 17 sequels that they did afterwards which <laughs> i just lost count but i remember 
the reason it was the most watched movie for me is because it was the first DVD that my family ever owned after buying a DVD player. Um, so for a long time, my family only had Ice Age and maybe like a few nature documentaries on DVD. And so <laughs> this is before we started to get into Veggie Tales and, you know, on DVD because we got all the Veggie Tale videos on VHS, but DVD was just. It was there. So it'd probably be a two-way tie between either Ice Age or the original National Treasure, which I also loved that movie. Oh, oh that was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There are probably listeners who don't even know what VHS is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is, it, is it all the Zoomers, man? How do that's, you feel? That's, that's sad. They'll never know the joy of when the teacher pushes in that cart with the TV and the VCR yeah. <laughs> combo into class. And you're like, yes, today is like a free period. <laughs> or the feeling of dread when you put a video in and realize it's at the end of the movie. So you have to like manually rewind it all the way back yeah. to the start so you can watch it. <laughs> Did they the have worst. that in uh, where you guys are at? Uh, be kind and rewind. Like if you rented yeah. a movie and you didn't rewind yes. it, charge you an extra dollar or something. Definitely. Oh, we never got charged for it, but that would have been a good idea. Mm. Totally. Mm. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to say my most re- I'm trying to work out which one is more rewatched, but I can't figure it out. So I'm going to say two, but I'm only going to talk about one. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have watched Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith like an absurd amount of times um but i've talked to star wars i've talked about star wars to death on this podcast so the other one that i have rewatched probably equally or maybe more i'm not sure would be tim burton's nightmare before christmas watch it every oh, single I year think I've seen that on one. Uh, on christmas eve and this last year i actually watched it twice because i watched it once with my sister and then i watched it again with my wife <laughs> closer to christmas so yeah it's just like a classic in in my household uh it's tradition so yeah i love that yeah. movie it's yeah. amazing very cool i i'd never actually yeah, i'd never actually seen a nightmare before christmas before either until i spent christmas with josh and danelle one year and <laughs> they were watching this movie i was like what is this is this a horror movie why are you watching this movie but they loved it and i didn't hate it so there you go that's a glowing that's recommendation the highest compliment the highest compliment i can receive from jesse Oh, he didn't hate something oh, I showed him. Amazing. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. Um, all right, so this is cool. Justin, uh, I guess for the handful of people who don't know who you are, would you be able to just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the space where you're at right now? Um, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Justin Koo, uh, originally born and raised in Southern California. Right now, I live with my wife and my dog in the Pacific Northwest uh, near Portland, Oregon. Um, for the last four years, I was running a YouTube channel called That Christian Vlogger, which was focused on, uh, I guess, Bible teaching, questions and answers, uh, conversations with different Christians on different lifestyle subjects and things along those lines. Um, right now, I currently have switched and switched uh shows and I guess branding and everything else like that, which is what we're going to be talking about today. But uh, in addition to creating content on the internet, I do a little bit of a consulting kind of side gig with pastors and people all around the country uh, who want to learn how to do social media a little bit better. And I also work with a really cool organization called the Center for Online Evangelism as one of their ambassadors. And so when I travel around doing teaching seminars and church presentations, 
get to share about things like Project Caleb, which is like this massive attempt to re, uh, redefine what it means to be a Seventh-day Adventist on the internet. As we mm. know, it's not always the most gracious thing. It's not always the, <laughs> the kindest depiction of who we are. And so Project Caleb and some of the other things that they're doing out there is help, uh, you know, help, help the picture of Adventism just be a little bit more accurate, a little bit more pretty. Mm. Hmm. I, my first assumption that was uh, Project Caleb was to get everybody to listen to Caleb Isley and just copy everything he does. That was my first inclination that that's what it must be because that's what we all need. Yeah, we would definitely benefit from doing more of that for sure. <laughs> so I remember first um, finding out about you, Justin, um, and absolutely being blown away by realizing that there are Adventist YouTubers. Um, I remember back in the, the bad old days or the good old days of YouTube where vloggers <laughs> and like that was the, the, the thing. It was Casey Neistat and it was David Dobrik and a lot of those guys that were top of the top of the pile as far as youtube and vlogging is concerned but um christians and especially adventists have never really seemed to have much of a foothold in youtube um i know we're talking about what you're doing now but could you give us a little bit of context for how you got into vlogging and sort of a little snapshot of that journey because that is a huge part of um where why you're at where you are now yeah, absolutely. So um, my background is actually in evangelism. I did literature evangelism for 10 years. I think over the time I've estimated I've knocked on like 100,000 doors or something along those lines. Whoa. And uh, towards the end, I was teaching at a small evangelism school in Philadelphia and got to meet a young man by the name of Michael Troynoski III. And his story was not only did he become a Christian, but he became a Seventh-day Adventist because of a YouTube video. And I just thought that that was absolutely brilliant because that sounded like way more fun than knocking on doors. <laughs> uh, and the whole reason why I was knocking on doors was because I thought that this was an effective means of spreading the gospel. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Caleb, it was actually really funny. He posted on Facebook not too long ago, like, what were you doing 10 years ago? And I think 10 years ago to when he had posted it, I had actually deleted all of my social media because I heard a sermon called My Space Disgrace by our good friend David Ashrick <laughs> making a case for why social media wasn't all that great. <laughs> so things have really switched around for me. I uh, ended up starting a YouTube channel, yeah. copying Casey Neistat and the whole thing and the rest is history that's ironic that like david ashrick now has like a killer social media presence he is like an instagram addict nowadays <laughs> so that is <laughs> yep, so absolutely. funny i was gonna ask you like this is I mean, not related to anything um to do with today's conversation but you said you knocked on about a hundred thousand doors like that's insane that's almost a hundred thousand more doors than i've knocked on when it comes to literature evangelism <laughs> i remember doing the I should have worked a little harder i know i i i remember doing it because i was a cute kid when i was a little kid you know doing adra um uh sort of appeals and things like that raising for my raising money for my pathfinder club and then i remember i did a unit at um uh, avondale college uh, in evangelism and i had to do it but it's never really been my things but i've always had immense respect for people who can actually do that put themselves out there and face um potential rejection on a daily basis what when you think of the hundred thousand or so doors that you knocked on how many do you think were successful and how many do you think were unsuccessful like do you have a like obviously you probably don't have data but like just in reflection of your journey in that in that area 
Yeah, I would say that it it's probably generous to say that one out of every 10 persons is somewhat a favorable exchange. And when I say favorable, I mean like, oh, they bought a book or something along those lines. Yeah. People are generally speaking decent humans. There are occasional jerks that you meet out there when you're knocking on doors. But as far as like successful transactions and selling a book or signing someone up for a Bible study or getting to pray with someone, maybe one out of every 10. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, just thinking about that, are you the sort of person that can just do that? Or like, was there a point where you were thinking, why in the world am I doing this? Because I know for me, like that a 90% rejection rate is, would be pretty crushing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like it doesn't feel good. I don't think anyone like loves the whole experience of getting a door slammed in the face or being cursed out or getting the cops called on them because of whatever, you know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, there's definitely hard days and there's good days and there's a mix of them, but you know, as far as what that whole experience taught me was, you know, the whole idea of grit and, you know, um, not being so overly, I guess, um, caught up in what you're feeling and internalizing all of that. And so there was a lot I was able to really glean from that. And as far as it comes to creating content on the internet, like that's a super helpful trait because, you got, I, I don't know if you guys get hate mail, but I get hate mail every once in a while. And <laughs> yeah. you know, it's now when I get hate mail, I actually kind of like feel like it's a trophy. I'm like, Oh, I want to show everyone <laughs> like, look what this person said. It's like super cool. It means that I'm reaching someone that I wouldn't normally reach. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I think the first time we got like a negative review or something, I was kind of like, ah, oh, look, there's actually someone who's like doesn't agree with us and isn't our friend listening. And I felt kind of, st- I was a little bit sad, but at the same time, I think I was more stoked than I was sad because I felt like, oh, I'm actually like reaching, we're actually reaching people now, like who are outside of our thing. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it was just one of our friends who are like, oh, I hate them achieving their <laughs> dreams. I don't know. <laughs> Could have been. Could have been worse actually. I think it's the difference between like having an audience that is like your close friends slash people that are associates or like friends of friends to, oh, actually we're reaching out to people and people are listening that are not our friends. And maybe they're, maybe they think of themselves as our enemies or we are their enemies or we're the enemies of the church. But that's obviously a very rare percentage of people. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very strange thing at least for me, to be somebody who is notable, but also on another sense, very nobody, you know, like I'm, I'm a, you know, we're regular people and in some space it's like we are notable, but at the same time, we also just regular people who have friends and families and we have issues and we go and buy groceries and all that sort of stuff. Like what I'm trying to say is we're regular people just like you, dear listeners, us celebrities, (laughs) What a jerk thing to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> the the worst is when like you have that one friend who like blows you out of proportion when introducing like, oh, oh my goodness, yeah. have you ever met these guys? These are the hosts of Burn the Haystack and they like make this <laughs> massive deal. Whenever I go and visit home in Southern California, I always have a handful of friends when I see them again. Like, oh my gosh, is it that Christian vlog? And they start yelling and screaming like it's a thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys shut up. <laughs> the worst thing was I had a friend of my brother's. I went to church um, 
with my brother who lives in Sydney, um, Australia. And um, I went to his church and he has a, has this friend who apparently listens to the podcast. And I remember when he shook my hand, like, hey, I'm Josh. Um, hi, I'm Jesse. Uh, his name is Josh. What the heck? There's Josh's everywhere. They're taking, oh, that's ironic. They're taking over. Um, and uh, he was like, oh my gosh, I'm the biggest fan. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this, this is the weirdest thing. But yeah, anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah. I'm interested in... Uh, oh, sorry, Jesse. No. But uh, I'm interested. I mean, so the, the Christian <clears throat> blogger thing, obviously it was going pretty well. Um, you had some pretty, you had some pretty viral videos. Um, I noticed, especially the ones about like sex and sexuality. They tended to, <laughs> they tended to hit pretty high numbers, which was really cool. I think there's somebody talking about it in such a public space, but I'm sure you would have copped a lot of, um, a lot of mixed responses to those as well. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what what. Uh, obviously, you, you sort of mentioned at the beginning that we're going through a rebrand. Um, so what sort of made you feel like it was time to close the door on on that Christian vlogger, if close the door is the right term to use? Yeah, I think close the door is a kinder analogy than I, I've been talking about. Like, it's dead, put it in the grave kind of a thing. Like it's, <laughs> for me, it's not yeah. coming back up again unless something miraculous happens. Um, you know, just kind of taking inventory of my life over the last two years or so, I can, I can kind of see this trajectory taking place. Um, one of the major differences between um, that Christian vlogger and I'm listening is who I'm spending my time with and talking to and who the content is really for. Um, with that Christian vlogger, it was a lot of times me spending time with another Christian and we would talk about things that we agree about to people who would likely agree with us on the thing. And very seldomly did I break that motif. A, cu- a couple of times I would interview someone who might disagree on fill in the blank or occasionally a non-christian might turn around and and comment on one of my videos but those were always outliers um taking inventory of my life though things started to change a lot um maybe partly because i was you know less involved in a local church uh or maybe it's just because i'm in portland it's a really eclectic place with a lot of really diverse people but more and more i was finding myself surrounded with uh, not only non-Adventists, but non-Christians and just mm-hmm. spending time with them and really at many, many times feeling inadequate with how do I carry across this conversation without being kind of a jerk or without kind of totally crumbling under whatever uh, imposed social norm that I might think is at play right there. And as I was kind of like going through this journey, just trying to really feel how do I connect feeling disconnected. I think that that's one of the things that uh, Adventism hasn't really gifted me well with is like being super open-minded to people who see the world differently than I do. And not only that, but being able to converse with them and befriend them. And, you know, we're, I was raised in a bubble, in an echo chamber in many ways. And, and, and so interacting with people that were very different was really challenging. And, um, I just, I'm just seeing God doing that more and more and more. And so when I originally started with that Christian vlogger, it was always meant to be something that was a fairly accurate representation of my spiritual journey. Uh, If there's a subject that I'm thinking about, I would try and make a video about it to try and digest it, to get feedback from people and interview an expert or whatever the case is. And given that now I'm spending time, a lot more time with atheists and agnostics and 
pagans and Wiccans and fill in the blank, well then these are the conversations that I want to have more of and, and to do them better um, and also to be able to share them with the world. And so just kind of paying attention to what God was doing, it really just, it felt really right. Hmm. 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 So it was kind of like you felt like your life had actually shifted from the brand that you had created. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and I guess part of why I wanted to rebrand was there's a lot of, at least I felt a lot of pressure running a ministry called That Christian Vlogger to represent and maybe even defend Christianity on ah. the internet. And, you know, that mm. might be a good thing, but that might also not be a good thing depending on who you're talking to. With someone whose view of faith is that these people are closed-minded and only want to shove their propaganda down your throat, sometimes the most effective thing that you can actually do in that moment is to shut your mouth and listen and maybe ask a question or two, but allow them to speak because it shifts their mentality of who you are. Mm. Um, it shows you as someone who cares about the person who's interested in the ideas that they have to share and isn't just trying to like win a fight or something along those lines. And so like being able to sit across the table from an atheist and hear him rag on God and all the reasons why he thinks faith is stupid and then just be able to smile and like kind of be like, okay, cool. Like on to the next thing. Thank you for sharing. Like I appreciate that. And just like let them have the airtime, I felt would be really uh, difficult for Christians on the internet to be able to stomach. I think a lot of people will be like, why didn't you challenge him on this? Why didn't you make your point here and there and there? And they want me to debate and win a fight because that's what maybe they're used to or hoping for in that type of an exchange. Um, so the whole idea of listening, I've just, I've seen the power of it in my own personal relationships here in Portland and as a result want to try and showcase that to the internet and see what happens when we do that there's a there's a handful of uh, Christian YouTube channels that I follow um, personally and I'm sure for many people there's maybe one or two most of us follow non-Christian YouTube channels when it comes to the content that we you know consume and it obviously all depends on what sort of things we're interested in but do you and obviously you made this decision for yourself, um, but in some ways it seems like you, and you may not feel this way, but in some ways it seems like you're saying goodbye to a certain community of types of people. Of uh, when, I, when I think of the YouTube channels, like I follow like um, 10 Minute Bible Hour, um, Religion for Breakfast, um, you know, a, a few of those other guys that are really, I think are really great. But one of the things that I've noticed time and time again is whenever... <laughs> almost any subject it almost doesn't matter what subject is talked about whether it's about church history whether it's about sunday versus sabbath whether, what it may whatever it may be um I, I i remember especially when the bible project or bible project as now they've rebranded to is uh when they did their sabbath episode which was followed you know by so many podcast episodes which i just consumed but i remember when they published their sabbath video it was just filled the comments were almost more toxic than your run-of-the-mill gaming you know video it was crazy uh... you know like there were some people that were just like you're too soft on this why didn't you say that constantine changed the Sa the sabbath to sunday blah, blah, blah. and some people like it doesn't matter christ died and did away with the law blah 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 blah, blah. like it almost seems that 
branding yourself exclusively as Christian is almost a way to invite uh, maybe a negative, uh, a negative community or a negative culture of people. What were you noticing? Were you noticing anything about the the community of people that were commenting on your videos and interacting with your social posts? Was that part of your decision making process, or I just yeah, speak to that if you if you want. Um, no, not really. Um, I haven't really been like. I, I, I don't really let comments dictate the direction of the channel. Maybe I'll, I'll let it influence a subject of the channel. Like, hey, what kind of subjects are you guys interested in? And then I'll pick a subject and I'll create a video that like I feel really comfortable and led to, to, to create. Um, but no, you know, I would say that over the course of that Christian vlogger, it's been very, very positive, you know. Uh, maybe whereas in, in knocking on doors, only 10% have been successful. I would say only maybe not even 10% have been nasty on the internet. Maybe it's more like 1% of comments are, are kind of jerks. So, you know, things have, things have been going really, really good with the whole That Christian Vlogger branding. It's just, what is the value of being another one of these types of channels is kind of what I'm asking myself. Back when I started, I remember looking on the internet, like like literally, this is why I titled it That Christian Vlogger, like literally going to YouTube and typing in Christian vloggers or Christian YouTubers. And you know, like John Jorgensen, who's a good friend of mine now, uh, he had a channel and there were a handful, there were two others that I can remember consciously and those two haven't even, like they've basically fallen off because they've got real jobs now. Um, they were doing it while they were in high school. And so when I started, there were no Christian YouTubers. There was no faith representation on the internet, period. And so if someone wanted to learn about Christianity, there wasn't a space for it, at least on YouTube. And so I wanted to step into that gap and try and provide something there. And so and so I would do that. The, the landscape is very different today. There are now dozens, if not hundreds of Christian YouTubers, and there's so much more content that's out there on the internet and people are doing a great job with that. And so, you know, always recognizing that, you know, there's a time to start something and end something. There's cycles that go on. Just trying to think like, okay, well, what's this new thing that's going on? And one of the things that I'm seeing as a shift in the zeitgeist, a shift in kind of what's expected and what people are yearning for and hungering for, especially on the internet, is this genuine interaction with people who are different than them. Um, I think everyone's really, really tired of debates and the arguments that take place online. You know, it used to be that you only had experienced that at Christmas or Thanksgiving, like <laughs> like popular, like, oh, don't talk about religion or politics. But now, like all those discussions, we see them every single day. And we all know what it's like to jump on a, whatever social media platform and to look through the comment section and it's just, it's nasty. And so really, I think that most people presently are hungering for the types of discussions that aren't debates, uh, the types of discussions that don't turn into arguments where we can actually just genuinely learn from each other and find commonalities there. And so recognizing that that's the shift there and that's actually what's happening in my life, like this is kind of the direction that I want to really be focusing on presently. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, it was towards the end of my time at college that I realized I don't want to comment on things anymore. You know what I mean? Like if, about my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it's not so <laughs> fun I anymore. Felt like, no, it was fun. I feel like it was fun at the beginning of college, but by the end, so from like 2010 through to like the end of like 2014, mm -hmm. somewhere in there I felt like was when it really just spiraled because I used to enjoy sharing my opinion, but now whenever you do, it's like no one's actually listening. 
yeah. I, know, I guess this comes into exactly what you're saying. It's like yeah. they're commenting. <laughs> yeah. And then the other person comments and then they comment, but they're not really actually responding to one another. It's literally just you're throwing comments and opinions at each other, but there's actually no... Yet you don't actually take their points in. I've never seen a comment section where somebody's just like, yes, okay, I have now come around to your side of seeing things. I apologize. Or anything like that. I've never seen it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like... Maybe once I've seen somebody say something and then somebody else will like fact check and be like, that's actually not true. And then someone's like, oh, okay, my bad. But that's about the closest I've seen. I've never seen an actual change of opinion from a comment section personally. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because now we have such uh, an immediate access to the entire world's knowledge. And so now it's really difficult to decipher between what is true and what's not true if you don't have some kind of anchor, some type of moral grounding. Um, and mm. so for a lot of people, they're hearing a hundred different perspectives and they're always trying to figure out, well, which one is right, which one's wrong. And unless you're really diligent, it's hard to get to the bottom of all the data and the research and fill in the blank. And that's true about the God versus no God debate. That's true about political debates or whatever the case is. And so what I see as a trend is not so much like the actual substance of your argument anymore, but it's more of like the, instead of like a, an actual philosophical apologetic, it's more of an, a relational apologetic. You know, I don't always agree with what they're saying, but the way they're saying it like resonates with me. There must be something deeper to their argument that causes them to live in a particular way. And it, mm. t- to me, it harkens back to what Jesus says. They'll know that you're my disciples if you, by your love for one another. Um, and so what I've seen in my interactions now is that people who would never listen to a quote unquote argument that I would ever try and make for God or for my particular brand of faith, simply by being in the same space and by listening and being a friend, they're coming around to this in their own time. And it's a much more powerful, uh, um, witnessing tool, if, if you will. Hmm. Mm. Oh, I love that. And we're going to continue diving into this and look more into this. We're just going to take a quick break. Thank you. And we're back. All right, Justin, let's get down to tax. Uh, Would you be able to tell us a little bit about when did you start to have these thoughts and what sort of happened after that? Give us a little bit of a a picture of, of... what happened after you started to feel a little bit of a shift in your own personal zeitgeist? Yeah, so about two years ago, there was a, another YouTuber uh, called The Raging Atheist who made some really nasty videos about me, uh, just kind of attacking me and calling me all kinds of like, you know, mean names and things like that. And uh, instead of doing what I would normally do, which is either just immediately ignore and ban the guy from commenting on future videos, or fighting back, I just decided to write in and be like, yo, dude, thank you for engaging with my content and taking the time to create this video and yada, 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 yada. And that would be like the start of what's an ongoing relationship, an ongoing friendship. Um, We've done several videos back and forth and he'll make a video, I'll respond to it and, and vice versa. And basically, long story short, like I remember he was live streaming one day on his channel, it was the raging atheist and his friend, um, the frustrated atheist. And uh, they're just live streaming. What a team. <laughs> yeah, tag teaming. It was really fun. Uh, and they're just like going off on, oh, Christianity is stupid and this and this and this. And I remember one thing in particular stood out in my mind. They said, God is literally worse than Hitler. 
I'm like, oh, shoot. They said, Hitler only killed a million people, but God is going to murder, like, and burn people in hell, like, billions upon billions of billions of people. And, like, this is the God that the Bible talks about and yada, yada, all these different kinds of things. And I remember, like, right before that moment happens, like, I jumped in the live chat, like, hey, what's up, Raging Atheist? Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Hope the family's okay. So I jump in this live stream and, and the, the Raging Atheist on air is like, oh, hey, shout out to that Christian vlogger. He's in the chat, like really cool guy. He actually talks, talks to his friend, the frustrated atheist. He says, this guy is actually different than other Christians. He's really cool. You'd actually like him. So the frustrated atheist is like, well, why don't you invite him on live stream right now? And so in three minutes, like I'm live on his channel, hanging out with two other atheists as we're talking about God and all these things. So when the thing about God is worse than Hitler comes across, they ask the question, how could a God burn people in hell forever and ever? They toss the question to me, like, what do you think? And so, of course, during that time, like, I'm just smiling. I'm like, this is perfect. I, this couldn't be any better. I'm like, yeah, actually, I agree with you. I think that that would be like a really terrible God. I don't believe in that kind of God either. And I just remember them being so confused and stumped. Like, what in the world? Like, who are you? What do you believe? Like, what kind of Christian are you? And like, oh, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Like, thanks for asking. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, the raging atheist is like, oh, my goodness. Like, that makes so much more sense. He says, like, I know Seventh-day Adventists. Like, they run the place. And it turns out <laughs> the raging atheist actually lives in one of the meccas of Adventism. The Raging Atheist was born and raised and currently lives in Battle Creek, Michigan. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so he's like had so much interactions with Adventists and now we're having this really favorable exchange on the internet. Fast forward to this last summer. So a year and a half goes by. I have this idea for this new show, uh, modeling what does it look like to have kind and thoughtful conversations with people who see the world differently. And the first person that I think about who I want to launch this series with is no one other than the raging atheist himself. So I hop on a plane, fly all the way to Battle Creek, rent a car, end up driving to his apartment. And we spend like 14 hours together hanging out. And like he even had his little girl, uh, his daughter, take the day off from school. And so we got to see her. Emily, my wife, comes and the four of us spend all day together. We had like two or three different meals together. Went back to his apartment, got to hang out, share life stories, the whole thing. He gave me a tour around Battle Creek, my first time there, showing me kind of like where he grew up and telling me the story of this is this is the the hood that I grew up with. Um, this is where the, I bought my drugs over here. This is where uh, you know I broke into that home over there, and like just sharing this this story about who he is, where he's come from, and how his life experiences caused him to be such an angry anti-theist. And uh, so we we shot those episodes. We shot a couple of videos for his his channel he ended up doing uh, an interview for me and at the end of the day it was like this beautiful moment we had dinner together and just having a good time he said something to me that like I really to me is like the the real value of this type of an experience no one ended up changing each other's minds he didn't convince me to become an atheist nor did I convince him to be a Christian um but he did say this. He said, Justin, I want to thank you so much for being out here. It's been awesome. He says, I think I've made a friend for life. Wow. And like, of course, like I'm just smiling because I feel exactly the same way. 
that Ronnie, even though he's so different than me, that's his name, uh, the Raging Atheist's name is Ronnie. Ronnie is exactly the kind of person that I want to spend more time with. He's the kind of person yeah. I want in my life because one, I get to learn from him. I'm challenged and I'm caused to think deeper about different things, but also like he's a great guy. Hmm. He's a caring father. He's a good human being. Sure, we've got some things that he can work on, and but I've also got things that I can work on. And like the cool thing is, like looking through the eyes of faith, like I can actually see God at work in his life wow. in ways that he's not privy to yet. Um, and so it's just being in that space and being vulnerable and being willing to sit there and listen. Like you can listen, like the first episode is live right now. The vast majority of that conversation, I'm listening. I think we, mm. we I guess that's the why I called the show, I'm listening. Um, <laughs> I mean, we end up interviewing for like an hour and a half and I maybe talk for 10 minutes. Like it's mostly me just sitting there asking a question and him talking. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you find it hard to listen to some of the stuff he said and just sort of sit there and not object? You know, because I was, think for for me, I have something like rise up every now and then. If I have, if somebody says something to me and I know I could have like a real banger of an answer, I find it real hard sometimes to sit there and listen, even though I know I need to. But you know, you just get that like temptation. Yeah, I think sometimes it can be it can be difficult. It's it's harder to be. I don't know. For me, it's it's harder like when it's on the internet because I want to like be that pithy, like give that smart comment, like ha, showed you kind of a thing. But for whatever mm. reason, at least when I was hanging out with Ronnie in person it was just such a good experience that i actually really wanted to listen i wanted to learn more i wanted to understand where he came from and understanding his story so i remember asking like okay so when did you decide to leave your faith because he was raised in in a christian home he says you know when i was younger i was praying a lot of different things and no answered prayers and because of that, I ended up leaving. So of course I asked him, okay, well, what were you praying for? What were you hoping for? And he shares with me, he says, I was hoping for transformation. I was hoping to become a good son. I wanted to be the kind of son that my dad could be proud of. I was hooked on drugs. Yeah. I was violent. I was always angry, screwing up. Couldn't like, you know, like this is how he would describe his life. Um, and I wanted to change. And so I remember praying that morning, asking God to change who I was, to change my heart, to make me a good, a good human being. And then later that day, he says, I would get high and go rob someone or something along those lines and just change never came. Mm. And I remember, you know, later on that day asking him, um, like, Hey, what, what would it look like if we did a thought experiment where, um, let's imagine that God does exist and God's a good God and he loves you and all the things that, you know, I would, would want you to believe, but let's just imagine it's true. Why would a good God not answer your prayer? And he thought about that for a while. And then he said, I think it's the same reason why my dad didn't bail me out of prison. For context, Ronnie had gone to prison. I think he had got caught selling drugs or breaking and entering or violence or something along those lines. And I, and if I remember the details, I, I'm probably, I might be off in this one or two details, but he says, I went to prison. My dad had the opportunity to bail me out and he didn't. And so I stayed in prison for like a year or two or something along those lines. And I asked him, well, why did your dad not bail you out? He says, I think the reason why my dad did that is to teach me. Because if he had bailed me out, I would have just gone the next day and got caught up in all that stuff again. But the fact that he left me in there, he did it 
to teach me so that I would learn to change. And I said, do you think your father, I said, do you think your dad made the right choice? And he like, he pauses for a moment and he says, yeah, I think it's the best thing that he's ever done for me. Wow. And like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like that was amazing because that is the gospel and you didn't even know like you made the connection because i started off asking you why did god not answer your prayer and you answered a story about your father not answering what you wanted and it's the best thing that he's ever done for you and so he said i think the reason why god didn't answer that prayer then is because now i'm the kind of person who's reaching across the aisle who's trying to talk to the atheists and tell them we don't have to be angry at god anymore Uh, we can we can have Mm. these conversations and like it like to, he it just went right over his own head as he's saying these words and I want to like jump out of yeah. my skin and make the points yeah. and be like bro did you see what you just said <laughs> but that wasn't the that wasn't the place for it and so I just let the moment pass log it away in my head it's like wow God is God's doing some stuff here and it's really cool wow oh man it's mind blowing <laughs> yeah um so okay so you've had um the interview with the sorry i'm confused was he the raging atheist or the frustrated atheist i'm now i'm getting back and forward i don't want to yeah he's the raging atheist yeah okay okay so the raging atheist um what are some other what are some other interviews you've got sort of lined up are we allowed to know about it or, yeah uh, for sure it so uh, we, we've we've got a lot of things lined up um i'm gonna be talking about um, marijuana and drugs with my barista f- from the coffee shop that I frequent locally. We're going to be talking about abortion with a friend that I actually go to the same church with who has had an abortion and is still pro-choice. And we're going to talk about why and how does that even work? We'll talk about what does it look like uh, to be a faithful um, Christian if you are gay especially when you're actually affirming uh mm. and so i went up to seattle to talk to a, a friend who's who's an openly gay man who's got a master's in uh, psychotherapy and theology and believes that god blesses same-sex relationships if everything works out this week we'll do a series with mormon missionaries they knocked on my door last week and <laughs> so i told him hey come on through let's i want you to tell me everything that you want me to know and let's talk about mormonism and what is it and why are you Mormon and all these things and a lot, lots of things. I'm mm. really, really excited about it. But I think one of the stories that I'm most excited about actually is coming from my barber Chico. Um, Chico is like another one of these like ongoing and developing stories. Um, a year ago, I was looking for a new barber and I stumbled into this shop and got to meet Chico. And I've been going there, getting my hair cut for like the last year. And Chico's got like the most amazing stories. Every time I talk to him, there's like something new that he's experiencing. Like I remember not too long ago, he told me um, where he was raised, which is in Texas. His grandmother was a bank robber and they were like, (laughs) it's like, okay. And like they were, his whole family was part of like the Mexican mafia, like, and like organized crime. And like, it's like, what in the world? Like, (laughs) like far out experiences. Um, But when I first met Chico, um, he told me that he had actually gotten out of prison. He was in prison for like five years because he got caught selling meth. Um, Apparently, you don't want to sell meth. And if you're selling meth, you definitely don't want to sell meth to the feds, which was a mistake that he had made. Um, (laughs) So he's in prison for a couple of years. You know, like typical kind of story as far as like gang banging lifestyle, drugs and all these different things. And he's in prison. He's discouraged. He's depressed because his son is on the outside. His family's on the outside. And he's just 
in prison and as it turns out he's the first of like of his gang to like make it to prison and so in an in an attempt to protect him from rival gangs in the prison they ended up throwing him in solitary confinement so he's just like by himself in the dark just like super discouraged and in a moment of desperation he prays out asking god for help and um so he he cries out and like he has this experience in solitary confinement where all of a sudden boom he's hit with like this like blinding light he has the sense of warmth in him and even though his circumstance is terrible he's at like perfect peace he's he tells me like i've never been more at peace than in solitary confinement in that moment Mm, and i'm like whoa like that's crazy and uh, so, you know, over the course of a year, he's unfolding this story. And every time I get a new haircut, I get a new kind of act in the story. <laughs> and so, like, this part of the story is when he's out there searching for God. Like, he knows something's there, doesn't know what it is. So out of prison, he's searching. And he ends up in South America, along the Amazon River, in, like, the jungle of Iquitos, Peru. And uh, it's like a typical shaman type of an experience. Think of like a, a bonfire, banging drums late at night, trees over you, stars a- above. And like there's this chanting and the shaman creates this, creates this drink and he gives it to you and it's called ayahuasca. And what happens is when you drink it, you end up hallucinating. And so every time he does it, like he has this like these weird out-of-body experiences, these hallucinations, this interactions with the divine. This one time his soul leaves his body and he's flying around the stars and, and he's sharing all these things. I'm just like, wow, like I do not know what to do with this story. Like I, <laughs> this is not the kind of guy I ever imagined trusting with a razor blade next to my neck. <laughs> um, and yet I'm here listening to these stories. And one time he was telling me, and this is where it started to like get really interesting, like, oh, wow, there's something here. Like, this isn't just like a weird dude with weird experiences, but God's doing something right here, right now. He was out, I think he had like a bad experience. And so he leaves the bonfire and he's still kind of tripping out and he walks out and there's all these stars overhead and he hears this voice. I am the alpha. I am the omega, the beginning and the end. He's just like, that's so beautiful. I think like, and that's all he knows. Like he's not really like, never really had a background in studying the Bible or anything like that. And he's just like, his mind's blown. And uh, like one of his experiences, I think this is the one that like really was hard for me to wrestle with and grasp. So six months into our journey, uh, this was like this last summer. I'm like, man, I got to interview this guy because he's just like a wealth of stories, super different experience, not sure where it goes and what's the ultimate point and how to make it all neat and nice. And I think that's one of the challenges of listening to people with different perspectives. You feel like there has to be a conclusion, like, mm. bam, gotcha, or I win now, ha, huh? now you're like, and I didn't know what that would look like or if I would even get that or if it's even important to be looking for that at all. I get the sense that that's not important to be looking for, but at that time, I wasn't so confident about that. So we're sitting in my apartment, and he's sharing this story about his most recent trip to Peru. He has this moment, his body, go, his uh, soul leaves his body, and I understand I'm using language that's going to make all of our Adventist listeners really uncomfortable, <laughs> but just, this is how he shares the story. And he comes back to his body, and as he looks down, he notices that his body is in a really particular position. He's doing this kind of a kind of a motion, and for those who are listening, I'm like I got one my right hand up, like 
straight up with like my elbow bent in with like two fingers up and the other hand is kind of like making a perpendicular angle a right angle to the other arm um if you've ever seen one of those like hispanic like catholic candles i mean it's not hispanic candle a catholic candle where jesus is doing that blessing pose Mm. that's the pose that he is doing he's he's like in this blessing position and as he looks down he sees himself doing that and then he looks across from him and sitting directly across from chico is none other than jesus himself and jesus is actually mirroring chico he's doing the same blessing position right there in front of him and so he tells me that in this moment Jesus and Chico, the two merge to become one and they merge. And as they merge, he has a very familiar sensation. He's trans like, it's almost as though he's transported back to the solitary confinement. He's filled with this warmth and this glow, blinding light, this sensation of peace. And like they become one. And in this moment, now he knows Jesus is what he's sharing. And I'm getting so hyped for this. I'm like, bro, you (laughs) just saw Jesus. Like, this is so crazy. Uh, And like, he's just telling the story and there's joy on his face. And he says, and so now I believe in Jesus. I'm like, yeah, there's the neat ending I was looking for. Like, this is perfect. But before I could like celebrate or affirm him, he then goes on to say, and I believe in Jesus. And now I believe in uh, Buddha. And now I believe in (laughs) Muhammad. And I believe in Mother Ayahuasca. And he says, I believe in all of it, bro. I believe in everything now. And I'm just kind of like, oh, like. Yeah, so close, you know, (laughs) not sure what to do with that. And like, that's where that interview ends. That was six months ago, uh, just about when that interview was conducted and I didn't have a neat wrap up to it. I just told him at the end, bro, like, I'm so glad that I get to be with you here on this journey. Like, it's so beautiful. Like your story, I see God written all over it. Like I see you got a pure heart, like, and I'm just like affirming him. And just speaking life over him because God's doing this thing in his life, Mm. even though I don't know the end of the story because, you know, his life still continues. Mm. But here's the thing, like six weeks ago, the story took a massive turn, massive, like mind-blowingly massive. Um, So we ended up going out to dinner. We've gone on a handful of meals during the time that he was exclusively just my barber and not as much like my friend, though we were moving that that direction. But we were having Mexican food, having burritos. And he told me, bro, I've been having, I've been having nightmares for like the last several weeks. I'm like, oh, okay. And something about Chico is that he always has vivid visions and dreams and nightmares and like he just is like tapped into the supernatural at a level that makes me very uncomfortable with because I don't have any experience like that in these ways. He says that, the, you know, I wake up at in, in my dream on in my bed and there's this little girl standing next to me and she speaks a curse over me and this is happening regularly. And the curse is this, death is coming, death is coming, death is coming. And he's terrified. Like this is like some stuff you Ooh. see in a horror film. Like, oh my gosh, what do yeah, I do? Yeah. And so he says, in, in, an, in a like self-defense mechanism, in his dream, he grabs this girl by the shoulders and shakes her and says, no one knows when death comes but God. And then at that dinner, he says, I don't even really believe it. I just like, I just like, I want her to stop talking. Like, I'm so terrified. <laughs> no one knows what death is but God. And so he says, I've been having these nightmares for weeks or months at the time. It's like, I don't know what to make out of all of it. And so, of course, he reaches out to the person that has been his spiritual guide up to this point. He texts his shaman who's in Peru, like, what's the story here? 
And his shaman gives an interpretation of the dream saying, you know, sometimes the death that's coming isn't, uh, isn't a physical death, but is a spiritual death. And I'm like, oh, shoot, like, that's good. Like, that's really, really stinking good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And so he's going through this, and he eventually asks his, his shaman, like, hey, so what's your opinion on the whole, like, Jesus thing? He's thinking back to how Jesus made him feel that last time that he had a vision of Jesus. And it comes out that the shaman, he says, funny story, like, <clears throat> I, 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 I actually believe in Jesus. Like before every ayahuasca service, I asked Jesus for permission to heal people. And she goes Whoa. like, oh, what in the world? Yeah, like wild stuff, right? And so now Chico is like really intrigued about this Jesus character. And so I think just in his room, he like super awkwardly like lifts his hands and it's like, okay, Jesus, like, uh, give you a chance. Like, I don't know. Like, like he's, he doesn't know what the words are. doesn't know what the, the, the proper body mechanics are meant to be. But this is like the time where he's, he's just opening his heart for the first time to Jesus in whatever way that looks. <clears throat> and so we're sitting there. He's telling me the story at the Mexican restaurant. He says, I haven't had a nightmare about Jesus or a nightmare ever since doing that. Wow. I'm like, whoa. Hi. Incredible. Cool. Incredible incredible yeah so i invited him over to my house uh to hang out with with emily and i uh like a week or two i think like a week after that and he comes back and he's like bro i just had another dream another vision he's like man this guy's got so many visions and, and <laughs> i might be butchering like the order of the visions but these are all the stories that he shares with me and so he says um he says um i had this vision this dream of like this this beautiful like geometric like really intricate design like art type of thing I, he's like i don't even know how to describe it but it was this thing that was moving and breathing and in my dream i knew that it was a womb uh and out of this wombs it like it pushes out this name and this name is anaya and the and in this dream the voice says this is anaya this is what you will call your daughter and I'm sitting there in this living room like, man, I really wish Daniel was here to help me interpret this dream because I got nothing on like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, the whole like death to spiritual death, not physical death. Like, oh yeah, I could chime in on that because that makes sense with my, my understanding of how things work. But I'm just like, cool, dude. Like, that's awesome. Like, like I'm happy for you. And just like listening to his story as he's going through it. A couple days, oh, actually like one or two days go by. And then, and then he says, he sends me through a text, bro, now I know for a fact that God is speaking to me. I say, oh, what do you mean? And he says, I Googled the name Anaya, and this is what comes up. And he sends me a screenshot, and it says, Anaya, derived from the Hebrew, translated to mean God has answered. And I'm wow. like, oh, shoot. And apparently this is the thing that tips, uh, like that changes everything for him, because now Chico like is in his bathroom, on the dirty floor, on his hands and knees, his face is on the ground, and he's just sweeping and sobbing for like five minutes because the thing that he's always wanted is finally there. He's always wanted a father figure. He's always wanted someone to, to be there for him. And now God has revealed himself in this way. And like he's fully surrendered, fully giving himself over to Jesus. And like it was just this beautiful, beautiful moment. And like 
there's so many more things that's been going on in his story, so many other visions and dreams. And like, it's just, it's incredible to see him travel through this. The latest dream he shared with me is that he had this vision and this voice comes in and it just says, follow the word, follow the word, follow the word. And he's like, I'm just, I just take that to mean that I'm on the right path. Keep going. Like, this is good. Like thumbs up Chico, keep going. And I give him the interpretation. Like this is actually, I'm like, I finally feel like, wow, God, like you've put me in this position to give me the interpretation of that dream. And I start breaking him down to him. In the beginning was the word and the word was like, Jesus is the word. Like the Bible is the word. And like I'm breaking him down, breaking these things down. And his eyes out, he was like, bro, that's beautiful. Like that's exactly it. And like just, it resonates with him. And so I give him my Bible and I just start instructing him like, hey, like, read through the book of John, follow the word, follow Jesus, like, and he's going through this thing. So every once in a while, he'll send me like a Marco Polo because we are friends on that app. He's like, yeah, man, this is incredible. I'm just learning this. And like this, like God is like downloading knowledge into his brain. And it's so beautiful to see the transformation that's taking place. The other day, he was like, I, I got a two hour break from work. He's like, I've just been reading through the book of Acts and it's amazing. And like, now we get to like journey together as brothers and it's just this beautiful, beautiful thing. And the cool thing is this from the time that we're recording this in like 10 days, if everything goes according to plan, Chico's going to get baptized and like wow. officially make that commitment to Jesus. And it's just like all set down because I got my hair cut and I listened to someone's story and I was just simply open to what God wanted to do in that moment. And like, I know that not all my stories are going to have this beautiful bow that I can put on top and be like, see, this is the proof. But I'm seeing transformation in Chico's life. I've seen it in Ronnie, the raging atheist life. And it's just like, God is so good. Mm. And he works in ways that I don't understand. And as much as I used to think that like arguing and debating around subjects was the best way to convince someone, I'm seeing... I'm seeing something different. I'm seeing something new. And it's just simply showing up in the way that Jesus showed up. As a friend, as someone who cared, there's like that passage that many of us have heard. Christ's method alone brings true success, right? The Savior mingles with people. Initially, I was going to call this show Mingle because it was based off of that model of just spending time with people. But it sounded a lot like a dating app, so we decided <laughs> not to go with that. <laughs> but But it's this. It's like show up in the way that Jesus would show up and let him work. Yeah. That's incredible. Oh yeah. Oof, man. Yeah. I'm just like sitting here in that story and just, it is confusing me and challenging me and blowing my mind. And yeah, but also how inspirational is, is that? Um, yeah. As we're coming to the end of our time together, Justin, I'm just, I'm just thinking from a, methodological point of view when you go into these conversations with people that are so different to you and that have had so many different experiences what's your approach like is there like a set of um questions or or thoughts that you lead with how is it i mean obviously we could say yeah holy spirit's doing work here and that's obviously true um but yeah how do you lead into these conversations yeah, you know, I, I don't think I've locked down like a science on how to do this super consistently. Like I'm not having these kinds of conversations when I'm on the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, I think just being open to, to that possibility matters a lot. Like, are you willing to have that 
kind of potentially awkward conversation and, and not know what to say and all these things. Like, I, I think that if you have that willingness, like God puts people in your path, if you're looking for them and you're listening to, to how his spirit is leading you. Um, but as far as like when I'm in those conversations, I found like a lot of value in like two general categories of questions. Um, and I've stolen this from a book that's really cool. What's the name of the book? Um, Tactics by Greg Kokel. Really powerful, like relational, like apologetic type of book. And he, he says, these are the two questions to ask. Um, uh, what do you mean by that? And how did you come to that conclusion? So when someone shares a particular perspective, just simply asking, well, what do you mean by that? Or some version of that, like, can you explain that again? Or run that by me one more time or something along those lines. Because whether they're making a point or they're asking a question, this type of question in response gives them the opportunity to expand so much more. And I found that this was really valuable because sometimes they ask me a question and then I say, well, what do you mean by that? Like, can you run that by me again? And then they actually end up expanding on that question in much greater detail and I realized oh the thing that I was about to say wasn't even going to answer the question that they wanted me to answer anyways so like that has been really helpful if they're asking me something but if they're making a point uh, about their own perspective just simply asking them for more details really really is helpful and it, and it positions you as someone who's genuinely interested who wants to think these things through a little bit more deeply and so asking that has been really really helpful and then just well why do you believe that? how did you come to that conclusion like well that's an interesting perspective I've never heard that like what do you like how did you get there um, those types of questions really give people the opportunity to to bear their heart a little bit more and then mm-hmm. coupling that with just a willingness to sit there and shut up and let them talk like that's great like I've I've gone 30 minutes without actually saying anything because <laughs> I just asked a question and they just went. And sometimes that, that may backfire in a sense, like it takes up a lot of time, but occasionally you come across these gems where people really bear their hearts and you can see God at work in their life. Hmm. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And I think how much better, how much better could we be like with just some more listening eh? and just, not listening to rebut or anything, but just listening to soak it in. I don't know. I yeah. think I think it's so valuable, and um, I think that's a really cool place to land the plane. So thank you so much for what you've shared with us, Justin. Um, I really appreciate this, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, might have to get you back on for an update later on to see uh, more stories like Chico's, because I need more stories like that that just don't fit into any boxes. That's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Justin, if people want to get in touch with uh, you or um, follow uh, some of the stuff that you're up to, uh, where do you want to? Where do you, where do they go? Yeah, one stop hub is justinku.com, J-U-S-T-I-N-K-H-O-E.com. Should give you access to all my social media stuff, um, the show I'm listening, as well as a second show that I've been doing, which we didn't talk about. Uh, which is called The Move, which is like Bible teaching stuff. So mm. for those of my audience who really wanted more Bible stuff, I didn't leave them hanging. So justinku.com <laughs> is kind of the way to get everything. Cool. And you are producing more episodes of The Move in the future? Yeah, I've already shot about 80 of those episodes and we're on only episode 10. So we do about three a week that go live. So it'll Fantastic. be uh, The Move is actually both video and audio. So you can do it on podcasts. You can do it on YouTube. Just search The Move with Justin and Jonathan. Cool. Thank you so much, Justin. Epic. Awesome.
That's so cool. Well, um, thanks everyone for listening today. Again, if you have any thoughts on this episode, we would love to hear from you. Uh, whether you want to just comment in the group or you want to send us a message, uh, you can find links and access to everything, all things at burnthehaystack.org. It's the best place to find everything related to our show. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Burn the Haystack. Um, We'd really appreciate that. And if you've been a subscriber for a while, leave us a rating or a review on your podcatching app of choice. Yes, because they are good things and they help us get more visible and other stuff that probably you don't care about for us, but we do. So it helps other people know that we're legit. So please rate, review all those good things. Um, English, that's the language I'm speaking. Okay. And stay beautiful. That is Josh and Jesse and Justin out. <laughs>